Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Shut up and dance with me. It's week two. Last week, we really took a look at um, dancing with me as a pastor of the church, going, what is the church about? Where are we headed? Where are we going? And it was just incredible. One of the things, if you missed it, I just want to share is last week, you realize we realized that we had given over 14% of our income away as a church. And so last year, we gave over $28,000 into other missions and other organizations and community. Come on, church. That's awesome. So way to go. Um, and here's the deal. We talked about what we're doing. What we're, I mean, we're praying big things. We're asking God to continue to move. And, and it's not about numeric growth. It's about one life change at a time. We want God to continue to do that in and through this ministry. That's our hope. That's our desire. And uh, not next week when Brian Lansing is here. You got your homework. Bring somebody with you. But the week after that, we'll have the intro dinner. We have tables right here. I'm going to share more of that story. And so if you've never been to one, man, it's just a fun time. My wife's right. It's like my favorite story to tell. How, how many of you, out of curiosity, as we jump in here to week two, have had some crazy, unbelievable, great, and really horrible Valentine's Days before? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Um, <laughs> you, your husband saw that. Um, for me, I grew up, and, and I used to, tell me if you remember this, a kid in school, and you'd make those little, you know, Valentine's Day box things. Do you remember those? You know, and, and I always thought mine was really cool. I thought I was a really good artist until I married my wife. And uh, you can ask her about that later. I can't draw, paint, that's just not my gift set. But I thought I was so good because what I would do is I would take a piece of construction paper, red or pink, uh, and, and I would take it and I would fold it in half and then I would cut out like a heart. And you know what happened when you opened it? It looked like a whole heart. Okay, I thought that was cool. Um, for me it worked and so I remember making them and then, and then we'd have little things on the walls and you know you were secretly hoping somebody would put a valentine in yours and they wouldn't you know and, and you just valentine's day is kind of one of those weird things and you think oh church is going to talk about marriage around valentine's day and some of you here are single and, and you're going oh great here we go again and what I want to do this morning is I want to get us all in the same playing field together whether you're a student, whether you are a widow, whether you're going, I'm single, I'm still dating, whether you're going, I don't want to date anybody, whether you're married, whether you're happily married, whether you're married, whatever, okay? And so what I want to do is get us all on the same, uh, you know, level it out a little bit, because I don't want you to say, well, here we go, we're just talking about marriage, because this whole shut up and dance with me is really about relationships with others and what that really means. And so I'm going to pick on a little bit of the married folk, um, because I am one, so I can do that. I'm going to pick on the single folk a little bit, because I used to be one, and I'm going to pick on the kids a little bit, but two weeks from today, I'm going to really pick on the kids, because we are going to talk about social media and what that means for our kids today, and what do we do about that as parents. So be here. Did you know that there's a bunch of differences between men and women? If you didn't, I'm going to share some with you, okay? Women have more imagination than men. You know why? They need, to, they need it to tell men how wonderful they are, okay? Women have a number of faults, okay? Stay with me, Heather. I love you very much. Men only have two. Everything they say and everything they do, okay? That's all we got. A successful man is one who makes more money than his wife can spend. A successful woman is one who can find such a man, 
Would you agree? There you go. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of you off right now. Men wake up as good looking as they went to bed. Don't get ahead of me. Women somehow deteriorate during the night. Next one. When women are depressed, they either eat or they go shopping. When men are depressed, they invade another country. They invade another country. Uh, a man is a person who will pay $2 for a one item, dollar, $1 item he wants. A woman, however, will pay $1 for a $2 item that she doesn't want. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. Dogs are a man's best friend. Now you know which sex is smarter. A woman has the last word in any argument. Anything a man says after that is the beginning of a new argument, right? Would we agree with that? See? All right. Okay. So what I want to do is I want to give you some principles here in just, just a moment. Um, you know, in, in heaven, there was these two lines. Maybe you know this, but um, there was one line, okay? And, and the line was basically for all the men who had been bossed around by their wives. And then there was the other line. And the line of men that had been bossed, about, bossed around by their wives was a mile long. And then in the other line, there was nobody until the guy checking in people, you know, in the life of, book of life. He saw one guy over there and he's like, hold on everybody, I gotta go over and see what's up with this guy. Why is he not standing in the my wife bosses me around line? And he goes over and he asks the guy and the guy just says, my wife told me to stand here. Okay, so, <laughs> just saying. Just a couple more and we'll dive in here. Can I give you two more? Is that okay? All right. A woman decided to have her portrait taken. She told the artist, paint me with, with diamond rings and a diamond necklace and emerald bracelets, a ruby brooch and a gold Rolex, but, but you're not wearing any of these things, the artist said. I know, she said. It's in case I should die before my husband. I'm sure he's going to remarry right away and I want his new wife to go crazy looking for the jewelry. I love that. <laughs> favorite though, this one's my favorite right here. A woman awoke during the night and she found that her husband was not in bed. She put on her robe and went downstairs. He was sitting at the kitchen table with a cup of coffee. He appeared to be in deep thought, just staring at the wall. And she saw him wipe a tear from his eye and take a sip of his cup of joe. Well, what's the matter, honey? What is it? Why are you down here at this time of night? She asked. Well, do you remember 20 years ago when we were dating and you were only 16? He asked, yeah, I do. She said, yeah, I do. She replied, do you remember when your father caught us in the back seat of my car kissing? Yeah, I remember. Do you remember when he shoved that shotgun in my face and said either you marry my daughter or spend 20 years in jail? Yeah, I do, she said. He wiped another tear from his cheek and said, you know, I would have gotten out today. I love that one. Let me just say this, okay? And this is going to be a counter-cultural message today, so deal with it. Um, shut up and dance with me, all right? And, and here's the deal. Men and women are created different. In the Bible, in Genesis 1.26, says God created man and woman in his image. He created them. And so we are created differently to help each other. We're to be helpmates. We're to, to know each other in life. We're to have a relationship, you know? You ever think about it biblically? Think about it like this. God created Adam, and he go, looks around and he goes... I can't find a suitable helper for him, and so he creates Eve. Have you ever thought about how ironic and weird that sounds? Who is Adam with in the Garden of Eden? He's with God. He's with God. Why would you need anything else? God saw our need for human relation. He said, man, even though Adam's with me all the time in the Garden, we need to create Eve a helpmate suitable for him, and so he created man and woman. 
Now, by round of applause, how many know men and women are different? Now, I want to give you a stereotype. You don't all fit this. My wife and I do, okay? So this is from experience, and there's a lot of stereotypes out there. And, and for us, it comes down to this illustration that I use a lot, and we use this in premarital counseling a lot. And I say men and women are different. Guys, I hate to break it to you, but most of us can't multitask worth a darn, okay? You can do one thing really well. You try to do more than that, okay? And so I kind of compare us to dressers. We all have dressers, so it's easy to think about. And so you have the, you know, my wife's dresser. And it's beautiful dresser, nice oak. And, and it's got one ginormous drawer in it. And so when she pulls out this drawer, it has everything. Okay, guys, can you relate? Your wife's talking, and she's, she's talking about what she's going to get to the store. And she's talking about when she's going to pick up the kids. And she's talking about what she's got to do at work. And she's talking about what we're going to do at church. And she's talking about the other thing. And you're going, I, I, I'm trying to listen. Any, any guys with me on that one? And you're like, what, what, what? Okay, all right. And, and then, guys, we're, our dresser looks a lot different. Okay, that's my wife's dresser. You pull out the drawer, you get every, everything. It's like some weird circumstance I can't do. Then you have the guy dresser. Again, it's a stereotype. We're not all this way, but most of us. And, and here it is. In, in my dresser, I have like a bazillion drawers, okay? If we're going to talk about fishing, before you go and talk about what we're going to do for dinner, I need to stop. I need to close that drawer, pause for a second, open up in the other drawer and go, fishing, done. Dinner, yes, we're good. Can anyone relate to that, okay? All right, a few of, a few of you, yeah. So we're all different, and that's good, okay? Um, here, why is that important? Maybe you're single, you know what the Bible calls us, even guys? It says we're the bride of Christ. Can I just be transparent with you? I don't like that. I don't. I don't like being called a bride, you know? It's like, it's like puts my testosterone to the test or something, okay? And, and I don't like being called, like, I feel like I'm not a bride. That's, that's weird. But if you look at what it actually means biblically, it means this. It means that we are basically the one that Christ wants. We're the one that Christ desires. He wants relationship with us. And the only way to have that relationship is through his son, Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And so what he says is he says, he wants a pure and spotless church. Another word for church is the bride. And he says, to make that, it has to go all through my son. We can't be righteous on our own. It's only through Christ. And he says, he came to set us free and to give us life and life to the fullest. That's who Christ did. That's what he wants. So the desire of relationship is first with him. Then it's with us. That's one of the things we value at the church is relationship with God and with each other. Okay, now we're going to talk about spouse. We're going to talk about dating here in just a moment. And so what I want to do, though, is I want to encourage you in your relationships. Just, Just watch this. How many of you have already had a conversation with somebody today? We're all relational. Okay, some of you haven't. You know, maybe you came by yourself. You need that relationship to come alive. It brings you alive. So here's what I want to do in just the remainder of our time. I want to give you this morning five keys to elevate and encourage your relationships with others or your spouse this morning, okay? There's five. I could give you like a hundred million. Now, I, I went through this list this week and I prayed and I went over it and I said, what are the ones that we could really utilize as a church? What are the ones that could really speak to us? And I want to say this. I believe that there's ones that, that you kind of already you love your wife, you know, love your husband, you know, like, like those are, those are kind of common sense ones, I hope. And uh, if, if not, we'll do part two, all right? But I want to give you five that I think maybe are a little different or maybe just to think about a little differently. So here we go. Everybody say number one. All right. Treat others how you want to be treated. 
Duh, <laughs> right? Like, I thought you were doing ones that we didn't know. I'm not convinced we all know this. And here's why. I believe that we use this often as a manipulation tool rather than the way God had intended this for. You know, guys, well, if I do this for my wife, then I might get what I want in the bedroom. <clears throat> Are we too real? Are we okay? We okay? We good? Okay. Or ladies, you might say, well, I, I want to tell my, my husband how nice he looks so he'll tell me. Because that image thing's important. I'm not trying to step on toes, just being real, Okay. My wife and I have been through this, all right? We walk through daily. We're normal people, all right? We, I think, a little weird, okay? We're normal. Matthew chapter 7, 12, though, it says this, and I love this. It says, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. But then there's this key part we, we miss out. It says, this is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. In other words, it's not meant to be manipulation, Okay? It's rather to be inspiration for our relational aspect of our lives, okay? Um, there's Grimm's fairy tale, and he shares this fairy tale in Grimm's fairy tales. And, and it goes like this. There was a couple, and they were at the table, and they were eating dinner. And they were e- enjoying a nice dinner, and they had three generations. They had their four-year-old son, and then they had their elderly grandfather at the table with them. And while they're all eating, and they're enjoying this, you know, I think it was broth in the story, and they're enjoying this broth, the... The older one, the grandfather, he starts like trembling, he starts shaking and, and he's banging his, you know, his glassware really, really loud and he's ticking off, you know, his kids. And so the, you know, the parents say, we got to do something about grandpa. And so in the fairy tale, they actually tell grandpa to go to the back corner and he can eat there by himself. And so he goes to the back corner by himself. They continue to eat in peace and grandpa is back there and he's just tears coming out of his eyes. Like, why did they put me in the corner? Am I not, am I not good enough? And he's still trying to eat, and he can't even eat, and he breaks the dishes. And so finally, the, the mom and dad, they say, we got to do something. And so they make these wooden dishes that they bring him so that if he drops it, they don't break. And so he just, you know, time after time was in the corner just weeping. Well, the little four-year-old boy, he's watching this the whole time. And the little four-year-old boy in the story, he goes out and he starts collecting sticks. And he's bringing all this wood together. And his parents say to the boy, they say, hey, what is it that you're doing? And he watched this whole thing he observed. And he said, Mom and Dad, I'm getting ready to build you guys a trough so that when you get old, you'll have something to eat in the corner. They stopped. They brought Grandpa back to the table and realized they weren't doing onto others the way they should. I think that's a key in relationship. It's empathy is what it is. Putting yourself into the shoes of the other person, whether it's your spouse, whether it's somebody that you know, whether it's somebody you mentor, whether it's somebody that's mentoring you, whether it's a friend, whether you're single and you're dating, it's an online profile, okay? Put who you really are out there, not who you want to be for those people. Everybody say number two. Learn to fight. Some of you don't know how to fight. What, my pastor had helped me to fight? Can I tell you something? Yeah, I don't know how many count couples we have done premarital with. I, I can't even count it. But every time when we get the younger ones, you, you millennial, you know, Gen Zers, when you come into my office, this is what I hear. I say, so tell me your biggest fight. And you know what you guys say every time? We don't fight. <laughs> you will. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. <laughs> right? <laughs> you ain't got no clue. You're not ready for marriage yet. <laughs> you don't know how to fight. You need to learn how to fight. Okay? You know why? Because if you don't have anything worth fighting for, then your marriage is already done. Learn to fight. It's when the fight stops that you have to be concerned. 
okay? Ephesians chapter 4.26, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, be what? Be ticked off, man! Be angry! This Greek word means, I'm mad! I'm mad! Is that the sin? No, be angry and don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. You know how to deal with this verse? Don't let the sun go down on your anger? Stay up, you fight all night, okay? That's right, that's what you do. You just keep on fighting. Not always perfect at this. There are times that we have let the sun go down on our anger. In fact, I remember the first time one of our first fights was something so stupid when we got married. And uh, we lived in a, in a trailer park in Blaine, four seasons. We loved our little double Y. We just loved it. And we, you know, we enjoyed life together. And I remember I, I didn't know how intuitive my wife was until this day. And uh, we bought, I don't remember where we got it from. I don't think we had a Sam's Club membership. But she bought this ginormous jar of pickles, okay? You know, like those, those big ones that you buy at the state fair for like a buck? A whole bucket of them, okay? Huge. There's no way within this bucket you can tell if someone ate a pickle. There's none. There's no way. It's impossible. So I thought. And so that night, I'm like hungry, and I'm going, I want a pickle. I usually don't eat pickles. So I grab a big pickle slab, and I, I down the pickle slab. It's really good. And, and uh, the next morning, no joke. Like, no, you can ask her. I, I get into the kitchen, and this is all Heather does. She goes, she opens up the kitchen, or opens up the refrigerator door, and she says this immediately. Did you have a pickle? I was so mad. I'm like, I'm like, do you have cameras everywhere? Are you like spying on me? Like what? Come on, guys. How many of your wife is like that? You know it. You're like, I, I can't get away with anything. Like I just, I don't know how. But then I realized, and I love you, mom and dad. I know you're here today, my, my in-laws. And uh, I'm sorry you ended up in a sermon illustration today, but I love you. And uh, I realized where this came from. And uh, I realized where this stemmed from because moments after this, we were at their house. We were building a house here in St. Francis in 2003. And, and I woke up in the middle of the night. I don't know why. I was just super thirsty. And so I walked down the stairs of my in-laws house into their, into their uh, fridge. And I open up the fridge and I see this ginormous thing of apple juice. And I'm like, yes. And Okay, truth be told, they know the story now, so it's okay, but I should have, like, grabbed a glass and done it, you know, respectfully. <laughs> so I grabbed the pitcher, and I'm just guzzling away. And you know how you guzzle so fast, you don't actually taste what you're drinking at first until, like, that end? And that aftertaste just kicks you? And all of a sudden, all it was was a vinegar brine that my mother-in-law had prepared for pickles. That's all it was. So I walk down the stairs in the morning. I'm like, ooh, that'll, that'll wake you up. And, and I get down, I just downed it. I, probably like eight ounces of it. I don't know. And, and I get down to the, to the breakfast table, and my mother-in-law says this. She goes, and it was a big jar. You couldn't tell. And she just said, who had some of the juice from that last night? And I was about ready to confess. And my father-in-law said, I did. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes. So, a true lover is a true fighter, okay? It's okay to have fights from time to time. Singles and married, let me give you some rules. Fair fighting, you take responsibility for your actions, okay? Dirty fighting, you start blaming. Fair fighting, you focus on the future, the could be. Dirty fighting focuses on the past. You gotta let that go. You're still bringing up the past, you're not 
fighting fair. Let the past go. Fair fighting, they aim for win-win situations. Dirty fighting looks for the win-loss. Sometimes peace is better than being right. Amen? Number three, you don't find happiness, you make it. Okay? Now, I know some of you have been Christians a long time, and you might say to me, well, only Jesus can make happiness, and I agree with you, okay, that having Christ is really real happiness. But you have a choice. You can choose happiness. You can choose joy, all right? Don't wait on finding happiness. Singles, if you're single in here, listen to me just just really carefully, because I was there long time ago, but I was there. And I thought, you know, every sin issue that I had dealt with, everything that was in my past, all of that, you know what I thought constantly? I constantly thought, you know what? When I get married, I'll be happy. When I start dating, I'll get happy. When I start dating, I will deal with my sin. When I get married, I will change. How many are old enough to remember the Red Green Show? Say it with me if you know it, boys. I'm a man. I can change if I have to, I guess. Okay? True happiness comes from us choosing it. Don't wait. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 26 and 28. Check this out. This is what Paul says. He says, because of this present crisis. Okay, stop. Don't read the rest. Hold on. Just, just wait. Just wait. Because of this present crisis. Let me give you some context here um, within the Bible. What Paul was going through, Paul's not about ready to say, take the, take the scripture off for just a second. Paul's not ready to say, you shouldn't get married. Because that's what some people say. Well, you should be single your whole life. And I have friends of mine that are in their 50s who are single. And they, they come to me in tears because they're going, I don't know why. I don't have answers for them, but I pray with them, and we, you know, we search God. What, what are you doing in their life? Paul is saying, because of this present okay, circumstance that's happening, what was happening was people were being persecuted for their faith. Jerusalem was being destroyed, and so all of them were basically going, he was saying, wait, don't get married right now. Just wait, because if you get married and you end up having kids, they're going to be persecuted. This is going to be a really tough time to bear kids right now. And so he was saying, better to be single right now and wait. Eventually get married. And he's like, if you're married, you don't have to get a divorce. Don't do that. So let's read it out. Now that's in context, so it makes a little more sense. Because of this present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time, you're going to have troubles. And I'm trying to spare you those problems. Now, truth be told, though that's in the context of first century church, that you will have trouble in marriage during those times, I don't think it's any different today. I don't. If you're married, have you ever had trouble within your marriage? No. No. Liar. If you've dated, you ever had problems in dating? I'm so glad, I'm so grateful that I've been married 17 and a half years to 18 different women. No, to my wife. I'm so grateful because I don't ever want to date again. I really don't. I don't. Now, God knows the future. He knows the plan. And we'll trust him in that. If you're single, though, can I encourage you? I know it's hard. I, I talk to a lot of singles, and they hate Valentine's Day, man. They hate marriage talks from the pulpit. So let me talk to you just for a moment if you're single. Let me say this. There could be a potential reason why right now that you're single. And, and I'm not saying it's some sin issue or anything like that. It could be because God just wants your heart for some reason. And so lean into him 
during that, okay? Lean into him. I know it stinks. I know you're going, man, I don't know, I don't know, I'm not ready, I'm not ready. But then eventually there becomes this commitment. And again, I'm a Gen Xer, okay? Millennial generation, Gen Xer, Gen Zer. One of the things that we struggle with, okay? Baby boomer generation, the generation between us, the other generations, you guys have this figured out. We don't because we're afraid of commitment because we're afraid that once we commit to something, we're stuck. We're not stuck. We're just utilizing the gift and the path that God has for us, and we have to realize that. Proverbs 3, 4 and 5, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding, and always acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He will actually straighten it and show you what is to come if you're single or dating. All right? Now, if you're married, you got to start doing stuff together. you got to make happiness as a couple, okay? You have to see someone agrees with me. You got to make happiness happen. You have to, okay? Now, how many of you have ever, don't raise your hand because it's probably all of us, have said, you know what, Pastor Chris? I'm just too busy to go on a date with my wife. Or I'm just too busy to do this with my spouse. Or Pastor Chris, I don't have the finances to do, fill in the blank. We've probably all said that from time to time. And I got to tell you, shut up and dance with me. And here's why, okay? That excuse is not eternal. Your marriage What you do, the relationships you develop, those are eternal relationships that God wants to utilize in your life. My wife and I, we took a youth pastor position down in Eden Prairie. And uh, I was paid as a youth pastor would be paid in Eden Prairie. And we lived in Eden Prairie. And if you know anything about, you know, the Southwest Metro, it's expensive. It's really expensive. And so we were grateful for what the church could do, but I had to find supplemental income. And I did that. And we tried to date. We had young kids. You know, Silas, our youngest, who's now eight, was at that time about six months old. And, and I come home one night, and my wife did this. And I love this. She's so creative. Um, I come downstairs, and our bedroom was in the basement. And we had a bathroom connected to our bedroom, and then kind of a long aisle all the way out to our bedroom. And I come down, and she's like, are you ready for date night? And I'm like, yeah. No, it's not what she wanted. And... Uh, um, it's okay to laugh in church. I have five kids. We've done it before. And uh, I look at the, uh, I look in the bathroom and I see 10 paper um, tubes from toilet paper dispensers all lined up like bowling pins. And she's got a little score sheet and she's got a ball from the dollar store. She's like, you want to go bowling with me? I'm like, yeah, baby, let's do it. And so we're old enough. We can actually still keep score in bowling. We don't need a computer to do it for us. And uh, we did, and we, we had fun. I kicked her butt, but it was fun. We made happiness. That's one of our favorite memories to talk about, okay? Make happiness within your marriage, within those relationships that you have. Number four, happiness is about commitment more than compatibility, okay? You might not agree with me, but I'll prove to you that I'm right. My wife loves that, by the way, proving to me that she's right. Um, Be committed to Christ if you're single right now. Date Jesus. What? Date Jesus? That's weird. That sounds funky. You know what I mean. Let him be your all in all right now, okay? Now, you might say, what about what you just said with Adam in the garden? He was with God. He needed people. You're right. You do need people around you. So find some. It might not be the one that you're supposed to get married to eventually, but be around people. It's important. Here's what's interesting. Ready for this? According to statisticsbrain.com, this this just blows my mind. 
94% of arranged marriages succeed. 94 out of 100 arranged marriages, where they put together and they say, go for it. They succeed. Where only 45% of all other marriages do. Is that not correct? That blew my mind when I read that this week. I was like, that, that's insane. Why is that? And I think what it is is our culture continues to try to show us that it's about being compatible. It shows us, you know, how important it is. And, and I don't know about you, I'm a movie guy. Have you ever watched a holiday, you know, like The Notebook or, or Hitch? I love the movie Hitch. Or, you know, different movies like that where they're dating and they, they get together in the end. And you know, you know what's interesting? In 90 minutes, the guy usually goes from a complete loser to like somebody that is worth marrying and they are now have this relationship. And we think, oh, in 90 minutes, I can have that. That's horse poo, okay? Like, you can't. It doesn't work that way. Relationships take time. They take time to develop. They take time to really see what that means and, and to go, all right, God, what is it that you have for me? And God is saying, be committed to him first. And then be committed. If you're married, stay married, you know? Now, <clears throat> little side note, if you're going, well, Pastor Chris, I'm, I'm being abused or, or it's, you're in an unhealthy relationship like that. You need to get out. You need to find somebody to help you with that. I have had many people within our church that have come up to me that have been in a relationship like this and another church they were a part of, the pastor said, well, you just need to stay married. That's the way it is. And I have to say, I disagree with that pastor and here's why. God never intended for you to be used and abused. God does not create junk. He creates human beings for a purpose in their life. And your purpose is just as good as your husband's or your wife's. Okay, the husband isn't better, the wife isn't better. You know, we can talk about submission. We can do that at a different time, what that looks like biblically. But that even gets abused from the pulpit. And so let me say this. Be committed to God first. Then be committed to your spouse. Also be committed to yourself as well. Okay? God, what do you have for me? What purposes and plans do you have for me that lie ahead? Marriage, by the way, think of it like this. When it comes to being committed in marriage, it's not 50-50. It's not, well, you get half and I get half. Marriage is 100-100. Can I hear an amen from somebody, okay? Think about it like this. I, we do weddings all the time, and it, imagine me, the guy up here, and we're doing the vows with the couple. And I say, do you take, you know, her to be your wife? And, I, and he says, yes. And I say, um, and to what level do you commit? And the guy says, 95%. Don't marry him. Don't marry him. It's a hundred, a hundred. Check this out. I love this. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Whoever wrote Hebrews says this. says, we don't know. says, give honor to marriage and remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. First part of this is like, eh, it's great. And the second part is like, oh, dear God, help me. Because we want to be committed. All right? We want to be committed. Now, let me say this. Um, just by show of hands, who here has children? Okay, so that's like almost all of us. Oh, my goodness. You're going to love two weeks from now. If you have kids, can I make a huge recommendation? Let your kids see that commitment. Let them see it. Well, Pastor Chris, that makes them uncomfortable. Oh, it will. And have fun with that. We do. We do. You know, we, do. we kiss in front of our kids. You know, Heather or I get home and... We have five kids, for those of you that don't know, we have, you know, from eight to age 16, we have one girl, our oldest, and four boys. And sometimes we'll, we'll be in the kitchen, we'll just start kissing, you know? 
And, and, and they look at us, and our kids are like, oh my gosh. But here's what they do. You know what they do? This, I, want you to sh- I want to show you what my youngest does, okay? He's not in here, so I can talk about him. He, he does this. He goes like this when we're kissing. He does this at first, but then you know what he does? He does this. Because he wants to see that mommy and daddy are committed to each other. That's so important to a child. So important. I don't dance with anybody, okay? I dance with, I, you know, I tell my wife, shut up and dance with me. She says it to me. And in our house, we have a little radio underneath our cabinet. And we turn on pumping music like KTIS. And uh, while we have that on, she will come and grab me sometimes. Or I'll come and grab her. And we'll just start, we'll just start dancing like pretending I know what I'm doing in our, you know, that, that was my best dance move. And uh, we would just dance, and we love it. And we're grabbing each other. And I'll, I'll even, like, dip her and bring her back up. And my kids the whole time are like, oh, my gosh. You know what? That's what they're saying on the outside. But deep down on the inside, they're going, I'm seeing what real marriage is supposed to be like. I'm seeing an example of that. Right, Isaac? No. Last one. Here we go. Everybody say number five. All right, all right. This one to me is the most important. Learn to make a not-to-do list. You know a lot of the other ones. This is one maybe you don't do. So I want to encourage you to do this. Make a not-to-do list with your family. I challenge any of you to do this this week. I dare you to do this week. I bet you're not going to do it, are you? I double-dog dare you to do this. Do this. This week. Okay? Do you know what Pastor Chris wanted us to do this week? I have an inkling. This! Make a do-not-to-do list. I don't know about you. I got five kids, man. Pastor Church, my wife teaches in the school. We're going, 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 going all the time. We got stuff every single night. We got youth group. We've got Awanas. We've got, you know, basketball going on. We've got Knowledge Bowl going on. We've got Drama Club going on. My daughter got her license last week. We got that going on, Okay. It's just a nut house at the Vincent sometimes. And we're just going and we're going and going. Now, I know that's just us and none of you, right? I know we're the exception, right? You all said you had kids. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So start making eternal differences with your kids. What really matters? What is it? Let me, let me close with this. Life fills up with silly stuff, okay? Next thing you know, you start skipping your devotional times. You start skipping your workout times, etc. You just start doing things that have no eternal purpose at all. None of us know how long we have, all right? So what are you going to do about it? About every fall, you know what my wife and I do? I, I look at it and I go, what am I doing as a pastor that I don't have to do? What am I doing as a husband and a wife that we don't have to do? And so we make, we, we, we go do our activities reflect our eternal priorities? Does this activity truly build our family? Does it add more peace or joy? In other words, fruits of the Holy Spirit. Does it add it to our life? If not, it's simply not a priority. It's not. Sure, people are going to be irritated when you start setting boundaries. But it's better to lose friends than lose your kids, your sanity, or your marriage. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.